of your eye, huddled in the darkest shadows of imagination, it waits. Now is the time to face the fear. Welcome to Horror Lasagna. Embrace the trepidation. So, uh, as of this episode, we have feed streams going. We have all the episodes except this one, and we ha- might have a bonus since everybody's been asking for that bonus episode of That's right. remakes. Yeah, we like to please our audience. Uh, so, well, um, this is episode ten, and um, I think. No matter how many seasons we go, this one's going to be unique because this one is a horror comedy television series. Yes. Um, this is Todd and the Book of Pure Evil. Which, just from the name of it, I would have watched it. You know, because my, my movie and horror sensibilities kind of were defined at age 12 and they have not evolved. So. Then this is the show for you. It was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's a Canadian television series, um, from September of 2010, and it's based on an 18 minute short by, uh, from the with the same name, which I could not find. We couldn't really, there was one place that said you could watch online, but it uses flash and everybody has stopped using flash. So I Mm, couldn't watch it. Yeah. It uh, that was actually funded through a Canadian uh, film grant. We've watched a lot of those this season. <laughs> yes, so uh, that for any of you Canadians listening, that it, this is the result of your hard tax dollars at work. I bet they're proud. They should be. <laughs> um, the series ran for two seasons um, and then was dropped. And um, like any good serial horror comedy show um it leaves you on a cliffhanger at the end of every season and um so there were enough fans clamoring to see how the whole series ended that they started an indiegogo campaign um and it helped fund an animated feature called todd the book of pure evil the end of the end that would wrap up the story right which i think uh i i think somewhere i i got a copy of uh get this up we can watch that too yeah and second season it's been on shutter but for whatever reason the the shutter subscription through amazon had it available and now it's not so i don't know if they took it off shutter itself or if it's just amazon subscription so hopefully we'll get to watch the very important second season i mean my life will not be complete it's uh it's one of those kind of shows that uh it does kind of suck you in you'll be sitting there and the episodes are only about 22 minutes long, and so you'll be watching it. The next thing you know, you'll have watched six of them, and you'll be like, right. what in the world just happened? Right. Um, the original short uh, was made by two guys named uh, Craig David Wallace and Max Reed. Um, Max Reed kind of disappears from the picture once it goes on to become a mainstream show. Um, you don't mainstream find... is used very loosely. 
Yes. Mainstream <laughs> in Canada on a basic cable slot show. Um, Craig David Wallace, however, stayed with it. So um, he went on to be involved with every episode from here on out. Now, some of them he was just like executive producer. Um, he didn't direct or he didn't write it. But um, he was still involved with everything all the way up till the conclusion of the show. Boreal. Yes, whatever that is, because we haven't neither seen it. Of us have seen it. Um, David uh, Craig David Wallace um, had done 21 total titles uh, as a director, um, including um, Slasher, which uh, is kind of an obscure TV series and Beaverton. Um, also, I imagine Canadian obscure television series, but I at least heard of the name. So I made note of that one. Yeah. Slasher sounds familiar actually. Um, he hooked up with a guy named Charles Picho, um, who did a lot of writing in this series. And um, and a guy named Anthony Leo, who produced 23 Canadian titles as well uh, to bring the show to television. So um, that's like the new the new group for Todd and the Book of Pure Evil was uh, Craig David Wallace, Charles Piccio and or Piccio and Anthony Leo. Uh, Wallace directed episodes. Um, to the best of my knowledge, Picho and Leo wrote some, but they didn't direct any. Uh, but Wallace directed episodes as well as they had multiple directors. Uh, James Genn, who did episodes of uh, Mary Kills People, uh, The Killjoys, Charmed, The Good Doctor, and the Turner and Hooch television series. Oh, okay. Which I'm sure you, you have. Uh, Gina, right. Gina likes that show. Uh, I've watched Charmed back in the day. I've watched uh, two episodes of Good Doctor. So, yeah. Um, he also had James Dunnison, who directed some. He did Blood Ties and some other titles. Um, David Winning did some. Uh, he directed some Friday the 13th uh, television series. I remember that. That's episodes. not the one we went to school with, is it? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. no. <laughs> Uh, he also did some Are You Afraid of the Dark, some Goosebumps. Um, he's like the big star director. He also worked on Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, uh, some Sweet Valley High, Stargate Atlantis, oh, wow. Blood Ties, and oh my god, so many Christmas romance flicks <laughs> this guy directed. So yeah, Well, uh, they come out with like 500 new ones every year of those. Yeah, so somebody's got to do it. Right. Hey, it's a good and job. Apparently, David Winning is the guy to do it. So, well, okay. Those are the guys who did a lot of the directing once the show became a, uh, a regular series. Um, the show stars a character named Todd, oddly enough. Um, and in a book that's pure evil. Of that's true. pure evil. That's right. Um, Todd is played by a guy named Alex House. Alex House. Um, has been in 47 different things and of the giant list of 47 th different things, aside from Todd in the book of pure evil, the only ones I recognized were Degrassi junior high huh. 
Um, and he was a voice on Jane and the Dragon, which I don't know if your kids ever watched that in the no, day, but no. it was a PBS uh, animated CGI animated show. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, Alex House plays Todd. Maggie Castle plays his love interest, Jenny. She was also in about 48 titles, including some episodes of Goosebumps and in a movie called The Woods. Have you seen The Woods? The Woods. It looks familiar, but I haven't seen it. I mean, it sounds familiar. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of one of those teen horror witches living out in some private school, blah, blah, like blah. Like they do. Kind of deal. Yeah, like they do. Um, Bill Turnbill plays Curtis, um, Todd's best friend. And he has been in Goosebumps, uh, Degrassi, The Next Generation. Uh, he had a part in The Boys um, and 26 other titles. So, you know, all these guys are working, which yeah. is nice to see. Um, Melanie Leishman plays Hannah. She's been in 26 titles. Um, some of them are kind of Skinamax looking kind of titles, which I oh. found... Kind of interesting since she plays the super buttoned up quiet individual in the show. Weird, yeah. But she was also in one of my favorite movies, Stage Fright. Um, okay. And if you haven't seen Stage Fright, you have to take a look at that. It is a horror comedy musical, full length major motion picture. Which we love. Yes. <laughs> so uh, she's in that. There are um, three. I don't know what to call them. Post grads yeah. who like to hang out in the parking lot of the school. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're an interesting group for the whole series. It's like they, they're obviously directing Todd to something, but we really didn't know what they just like these druggies right. hanging out that, well, we graduated, but we can't like leave high school. Cause that was the peak of our lives. So we're going to hang out and smoke in the, the, uh, parking lot until Todd needs us. <laughs> As a story element, they are the like the Greek Furies. They yes. are there to see that the will of the universe is carried out. Yeah, they they direct Todd, and they they enjoy doing it because it's almost sadistic. <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, there's a guy named Brody, played by Dan Petronjevic. Um, a guy named Eddie played by Norman Young. And I, I love uh, Eddie because at the end of every time he's talking to Todd, he always adds the word loser, which um, is just a really nice touch. Uh, he actually was in Resident Evil Afterlife. Oh, okay. So As he's a got, zombie? Uh, I, I don't know what role he had, but he was in it. It's on Zombie number 72. Um, and then Stephen Arbuckle plays Rob. He's the guy with the do-rag. Um, he was also in Degrassi, The Next Generation, and he also played in some episodes of Blue Bloods. And he was the original Todd in the short, uh, Todd in the Book of Pure Evil. So that's kind of a cool carryover. Yeah, and, and it is cool. You're right that, I, I mean, a lot of the stuff we've uh, watched for the season, uh, we don't know a lot of these people. We haven't, there hasn't been a whole lot that they've done necessarily. Some of these people is like, done two things or it's just the friends you know oh, i'm directing it give me some money and i'll let you be in it yeah. so uh, this is i mean it's you might say legit you know a tv show and you know they got people to do it writers and different directors and all sorts of stuff so i almost feel like it's out of our range like it's too good <laughs> for us 
I say that with my tongue in my cheek a little bit there. Yeah. Um, if the three bros were uh, the fates or the ironies, um, the janitor is the oracle. He is the one who offers sage advice to Todd. And it's so ironic because it's Jason Muse. I mean, That's I about exactly right. died when I saw him. I'm like, wow. To me, the, the quality just went up, which is not saying necessarily a whole lot because it's Jason Muse. But, you know, you joke about Tom Cruise. Oh, look, Tom Cruise is playing a Tom Cruise character. It's like he's all, Jason Muse has never played a different character. Every movie, everything I've ever seen right. him in, he's the exact same character. But he's Yoda in this one. And it's hilarious. Yes. Um, Jimmy the Janitor is played by Jason Mewes. For those of you who that doesn't automatically click for you, he's been in 107 titles. He is the big star of this show. Um, he is Jay of Jay and Silent Bob. Right. Uh, Which, he's been in Clerks, yeah. Mall yeah. Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Scream 3. I mean, this guy has been all over the place. If you need somebody who smokes a lot of weed, you call Jason Mewes. Which, right there, knowing Muse was in it and his connection to Kevin Smith and how juvenile Kevin Smith could be in a good way. You know, he definitely enjoys the I'm still 12, let's play superheroes type of thinking that that sums this up. I mean, Jason Muse fit perfectly into this. They they didn't try to say, oh, my gosh, we've got some money on a TV show. Let's make this more professional and mature. No, there's no maturity in this whatsoever. It is literally if you got a bunch of 12 year olds and gave them money and said, we will make whatever, you know, a uh, movie you want, th- th- we'll do whatever you want. That's what happened. They, a bunch of 12 year olds won the lottery and started directing people in a TV show. Yes. And for all of those guys I mentioned who direct the show, if you're listening to this, we're not saying you're 12 years old. No, no, but that's, I mean, that's exactly <laughs> when, when we were 12, this is exactly the, the stories we would have come up with. And we probably would have, had them do the same everything uh that they did but the over the top the puerile uh juvenileistic uh thoughts and everything but it would have been on betamax probably because ron would have been helping and he would have yeah. insisted yeah yeah <laughs> um so oddly enough you know just to let you know what it, where their mindset were uh jimmy the janitor's role was written specifically for jason muse oh perfect and and so I kind of wonder what would have happened if they would have been like, hey, would you be in our show? We wrote this role specific. And he would have said no. <laughs> I mean, I really wonder what they would have done. Well, I, I mean, I love Jason Mewes and I love watching his stuff, but it's not like people are clamoring to get him in things. So, you sure. know, and honestly, just the character he plays, I'm sure he's like, yeah, whatever, I'll do it. I, I mean, it's just he seems to have that real life attitude. Not a whole big jump for him. No. To fill in that role. Yeah, it was, and actually, it's one of the more mature roles he's played. I think it's true. He's <laughs> he's like this figure people look up to. Yeah. Um. Chris Levins plays um the guidance counselor, and, and that is what I am. He his speech is so good when he talks. Yes. Um. He, he's. He's got one of those faces that you look at and you're like, oh my gosh, I know this guy from something. And you don't. <laughs> He's been in 17 different titles, including RoboCop, the TV series. Oh, geez. And La Femme Nikita, the TV series. So I've never seen this guy in anything else, but 
he just looks like somebody you're like <laughs> right. i know this guy from something except for muse i think atticus was my favorite character he just i mean he's he's like he never grew up he's he doesn't know how to handle anybody he's awkward he wants to fit in but his father is the like king of the cultists in the show and he feels yes. like his dad never loved him enough and he's not good at his job he's the worst guidance counselor in the world and yes and he gets so excited when he gets to be a part of the gang yeah <laughs> and it just he, he cracked me up every time he was on screen he he was great um leave it in the past atticus yeah he <laughs> um he shows probably the widest range of growth of character wow that's saying a lot i know <laughs> of anybody else in the series um so just so you're aware this isn't just uh steve and i being big fans of uh childish humor this show was nominated for 25 different awards and wow. it won it won 14 of those so i can say i like award winning tv shows you can um and <laughs> of all of the nominations they aren't all canadian wow so they're, like, they're not all just the local high school awarding them favorite friday night movie <laughs> The Chicago International Film Festival. They won two awards there. Wow. Um, the Leo Awards, New York Festivals, World Fest Houston. I mean. Wow. Now, of course, they also won stuff from the Yorkton Film Festival and uh, Canadian Cinema Editors Awards and Canadian Comedy Awards. But it's it uh, was interesting to me that they won. It's such a decorated show. Yeah, it's, it's like the battery. All the the awards the battery won, but a lot of people still don't know anything about it. Right. And I don't know that there's a whole lot of people out there walking around talking about Todd and the Book of Pure Evil either, besides us. But true. I mean, it's definitely not uh, an everybody show. You know, there's a lot of people that would not enjoy it, would not appreciate it, would think it's just stupid and that. But uh, if you're in that niche that enjoys the 12 year old high school humor it's perfect yeah if 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 you watched evil dead 3 and chuckled along with it right this this might hit for you um or if you watched um uh, maybe not sean of the dead but hot fuzz and you were yeah, like that's what i was thinking too, yeah, yeah yeah this this is like a television series based off of that kind of thing right it, it uh, at times it reminded me of like porkies yeah that's a really good porkies with monsters <laughs> exactly well yeah uh, sometimes really bad monsters but yes <laughs> yeah yeah um so a uh, couple interesting facts um jason muse we're all pretty familiar with you know him and his personal style in contrast alex house who played todd uh, personally, he doesn't smoke or drink, which is really ironic because almost every episode has a scene of him smoking weed in him it, and Curtis in there somewhere. Him and Curtis smoking a lot of weed. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, on the X Files, the smoking man he didn't smoke. That is crazy. Yeah. Um. 
Atticus Finch, um, the way he dressed was actually based um, on how Craig Davis Wall, Craig David Wallace dresses. So they actually looked at the guy who was creating the show and directing the episodes and said, you know what? You dress a little funny. You I think I'm going like, to use that. Like a really bad guidance counselor. Yeah. Um, there are 13 episodes per season for the two seasons that were there. Uh, and um, you'll, you'll, you like this kind of thing. It was produced twice. Um, it was produced with a profanity version and with a clean version, really? depending on where it was going to be played, they would have the option to plug in either one. Hmm, okay. Uh, I, ours was, and which begs a huge question because some of the episodes, it's not the words, it's the visuals yeah. that are questionable. So. And again, it's 12 year old thinking. It, you know, it's it, every bit of it. They're they're making sexual references. They're making uh, jokes uh, that are twelve year old locker humor type jokes. Uh, I mean, heck, in twenty twenty, these whole the whole crew and everything probably would have been hunted down for putting something like this out. Yeah, uh, I was thinking that if if you are an easily triggered individual, some of these episodes are not for you. No, and it's not because they're so realistic it's just again if you listen to a bunch of 12 year old boys sitting around talking and joking this is they they just recorded that and turned it into episodes yeah uh to kind of borrow a phrase that was used a while ago this isn't necessary necessarily locker room talk uh this is fourth graders on the playground talk (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) trying to be the kids in the locker room (laughs) yes yeah yeah Uh, and there's a really great uh well we'll get to it in a second but there's this really great indicator in uh episode two that like points to how the whole thing is like fourth graders on a playground but uh, I think the only other note that I had before we actually get into the episodes themselves is that this uh, did release theatrically. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. There was a theatrical release in Canada for the animated film. Okay. Um, I don't have stats on how well it did fiscally or anything like that, but um, so the show, it's one of those kind of things, and I can just see this happening where you're watching a show and you really love it and it gets canceled. And then you find out later that there's going to be like a full length major motion picture made of it. And you're like, yeah. And then it doesn't air on TV. And you're like, crap, now I got to pay to go watch it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I can't wait to see that whenever we track it down. I, I Yeah, I think I've got it. Uh, I tracked it down. So we'll have we'll get a chance to watch. It. I got to get season two somewhere for us. I'm telling you, I I did mine through the library. This was these were both library finds. Then so. that may be where uh, where to go. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I got the first season, and I was like, yeah, okay, what the heck? We'll take a look. This looks kind of funny. And then I was like, I can't wait for the second season to get here. So, um, the series starts episode one has a title called Todd the Metal God. <laughs> It, I mean, if you watch for 10 minutes and you don't get what this series is going to be like, then you, you need to wake up. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, this one was uh, directed by James Dennison. Um, he was the one who had done some work on Blood Ties. Um, and the show opens with Todd uh, fantasizing about being a massive speed metal guitar hero. Right. Um, and Jenny's in front of him and she's swooning all about him and like she throws her panties up on the stage. Which I don't remember anyone ever doing that to you, so you weren't doing it right. You needed no, more I was, smoke. I was no speed metal god. That was yeah. not not in my... So uh, before we go, did did you find out who actually did the guitar playing? Because I looked and could not find that. Because the duel that comes up, I, I was like, wow, who's really playing? I... It's so funny to me that you tried to track that down. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. Oh, you know um, what? I didn't even bother to look at the credits. I guess I could have tried that. That might have been it. I was going to say, um, typically when I was looking these up, I would check out each individual episode and it would have the song list. Let me look. I didn't bother paying that much attention to it but wow yeah i don't know who it was we'll have to really dig deep to find that out but yeah. uh so maybe if we ever meet jason muse we'll ask him maybe he knows there you go <laughs> And so this opening sequence, I'm watching it and I am like, okay, this has got to be a, a dream sequence. And it definitely was. But what I, what really clued me in at first, I'm like, wait a second, there's a guitarist and a drummer. Where's the rest of the band? And wait a second, that drummer only has one arm. <laughs> well, he's got prosthetic. You know, true, but I mean, he's basically playing with one arm. Hey, it was good enough for Def Leppard. That's right. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> um the um it, it's funny because you know the white stripes made it work oh, so yeah. um but yeah it is just todd and curtis um it turns out that todd is having this fantasy while he is on stage trying to get a spot on the talent show for the school talent show <laughs> and um <laughs> while he's playing um, he's not really good. Oh my really. god, it is like the worst. And Curtis has no rhythm. He's just banging the drums. It's like, it was great. I loved it. <laughs> Curtis is banging the drums so um, uh, passionately yeah. that <laughs> his uh, prosthetic arm flies off and lands on the judges' table. Right. Um, the crowd then gets into it, just like making fun of him. Um, including and, the gym teacher, <laughs> including the gym teacher. Yes. The the gym teacher in this film, she doesn't have a lot of parts, but when she does, she's brutal. Oh. She, <laughs> um, so Todd gets basically laughed off the stage and it's, you know, not going well for him. Obviously Curtis is one of those kind of guys who like, when the crowd is chanting and making fun of them, Curtis is smiling and he's playing the drums along with them. <laughs> um, so Todd goes out and uh, he goes out to the parking lot. Yeah. To speak to the three bros. Yeah. And they're out there and um, they mention the book of pure evil. 
and uh, Todd is walking through the school and bumps into Jenny, who is dating this uh, super cool quarterback guitar frontman for like the big band in the school. Um, Todd's band's name was uh, what was the Barbarian Apocalypse? Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. And it's uh, hand-lettered on the drum. Yeah, <laughs> very yeah, yeah. poorly. And, and um, so he bumps into Jenny in the hall as she drops this book and a photograph, and it's a black and white photograph of hands clutching this book that has like the devil horn symbol on it. And it's like obviously stitched together with skins of some right. kind. They um, just needed Bruce Campbell in this. Yeah, it is definitely um, Evil Dead Necronomicon feel about it. Yeah. Um. So he's helping her pick her stuff up, and then her boyfriend comes by, and he's like, uh, "Get out of here! You're not even in. You didn't even make the cut." And Todd looks over, and he didn't make the cut to the. <laughs> he's the only the one. Show. Yeah, the only <laughs> and- person. And that's throughout the whole series, the whole every episode, uh, everything they do. Essentially, it takes some of the worst parts of high school and blows them up to magnify them, and goes over the top with even that much. Like every little thing in high school, the worst teachers, the worst kids, the worst uh, guidance uh, counselor. Yeah, the the worst uh, conflicts between different groups and stuff. Every bit, it's like. They took everything from high school, turned it into pieces of episodes, and put it over the top all the way through. Uh, that covers basically the whole season. There we go. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's been nice talking to you. Yeah. Steve. All right. Great. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you're very much right. Um, Todd is walking down the hall and looks in a trophy case, and sitting in the trophy case is the book of pure evil. Which, wow, I don't know where it is. We can't find it. Look for it. Oh, there it is. Yeah, um, and that, while that might sound like an odd coincidence, it turns out it's not. You will find out in later episodes that like the entire town is built around devil worship. So yeah, and I noticed that. I mean, one of the first comments I have written down when they were all cheering and judging uh, I, I, the symbol on the shirts for the high school. I'm like, wow, that looks a lot like they're saying, "Hey, Sam Hame, we love you." Uh, yeah. I mean, it just you know, and we find out later there's even more to that, but. I mean, it's like, come on, look at the school symbol. It's uh, everything about it. This school is called Crowley High after yeah. Aleister Crowley. So, um, to it, get the- it, it, if you like the high school stuff with Buffy, this is like the absurd version of it. Yeah, I mean, they, they're just so non-blase about. Oh, look, someone else died. Oh, look, somebody did this. Well, at least the school's still here. Let's move on. Hand me my blood mop. Yeah, blood mop. That was, oh my God, Jason Muse was so perfect. Well, I better get my blood mop, you know? Yep. Um, and so he sees the book is in this case, and I'm like, maybe this is going to be the whole thing of the episode. You know, he's going to try and figure out how to get out of this case. Now, he sees uh, the janitor walking down the hall, and he's like, hey, Jimmy, can you open this for me? And Jimmy's like, what do you got? And he's like, uh, a, a buck 57 and my lucky condom and he's like how old's the condom he's like (laughs) two years old he's like i'll take the money and then he opens the case for him book got there you go yeah not not a big uh long now that's the other thing about the episodes they're only 22 minutes which is you know like a cartoon length um but 
don't expect big detailed plots. It, it's a, it follows a very much template. Hey guys, how you doing? Oh look, there's the bad thing of the week. Okay, here's how we're going to defeat it. Oh look, we defeated it. Move on. I mean, that's essentially the, the episode every time. They even note that and make fun of it in later episodes. They're like, okay, um, <laughs> oh, so-and-so's got the book because they had something going bad in their life and obviously they're going to end up with the book that's going to make it better but actually have a twist and be it. ruined for everybody. Right. Um, so Todd takes the book home and he opens it up and um, it is like the the devil horn sign is not just like etched or painted or drawn on the cover it's like physically a hand that's stitched to the cover of making devil horn signs so he reads out some ridiculous stupid latin and the binding on the book like flashes red um and the next thing we see is he walks up to Jenny's boyfriend and he's like we're gonna he calls him a douche yeah and then takes off his fingerless leather gloves and slaps him in the face and challenges him to a guitar duel um in the cafeteria over lunch which you know of course like you do in high school because there's always amps sitting there (laughs) yes uh so the guy agrees and they get there and before todd starts he informs the individual that he's going to play so well that the guy is going to end up bleeding out his butthole. Which, again, if you're 12. <laughs> yes. Uh, so there's this kind of dueling banjos thing happening between the guitars. Um, and the quarterback is playing reasonably well. And Todd is playing so much better than that. Like every dueling instrument scene you've ever seen. Yes. Um, by the end of the scene, um, Todd has played just tremendously, and the guy is lying on the ground asking Jenny to help him because he's bleeding out of his butthole. After after all his fingers, like, just spontaneously yeah, they break. snap. Yeah. Um, Curtis goes up to Todd afterwards, and he's like, dude, that was awesome, and finds out that he has, Todd has replaced Curtis and has basically just taken over the quarterback's band. So now he's fronting the quarterback's band. They are the new Barbarian Apocalypse, and Curtis has no place. Um, Yeah, poor Curtis. So it's the time for the actual show, and um, Atticus Atticus Finch is introducing the bands and introduces Barbarian Apocalypse, and Todd gets up there with his band, and they start playing, and they actually sound pretty good. and everybody in the crowd is getting into it and thrashing and start to bleed from their eyes. Yeah. First first thing that happens to this group of high school kids. Yes. How was your four years in high school? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> um, there's also this kind of mousy girl figure who shows up periodically throughout the episode. Um, it's Hannah. She obviously has a crush on Todd, but she doesn't have much in the way of lines in the first episode. Right. Um, but she's there in the background. Uh, so one of the things I knew you would love about this show is that so many of the effects are actual practical effects. Yeah. Yeah. There's like next to no CGI in this. Everything is puppeteering and 
uh, red food coloring and corn syrup kind of thing. And, and some are much better than others. Yes. Um, and so, like, there's lots of shots while he's playing of just the floor and, like, blood just dripping onto the floor. <laughs> um, and so Jenny figures Jenny figures out what's going on. It's the book. She looks at his guitar because the book transformed into a guitar. So it still has like that skin wrapped look. It's yeah. got the devil horns actually on the guitar itself. Which is like the coolest looking guitar. Oh yeah, sure. Um, so she pulls the fire alarm and everyone runs away and there's a showdown between her and Curtis and Todd. Um, They end up. Did they light it on fire in this one? Uh, I don't. No, I don't think so. No, they don't. Uh, but they do end up talking Todd out of having, out of using the book. Right. And so the guitar transforms back into a book, and like spreads its book wings and like flies away, kind of thing. <laughs> and I, I, this is where you gotta laugh because there's so many bad story holes and everything in this show you just have to overlook them it's like really it's go you know it's gonna fly away so everyone just stands there and watches it and yeah well we might as well wait till the next horrible thing that happens you know i mean there's just so many things that if you're if you're reading uh or looking at most modern shows you're gonna be like what the heck and i, I know people that just would be like oh that's a story and this and they would get all upset about it but you just suspend that and just go with the flow is just juvenile and enjoy it and yeah you you can have fun with it you'll like this show a lot better if you do that yeah exactly it, you know what also it reminded me of at times is that video game brutal legend oh okay yeah um so the book flies away um jenny's like oh we've got to we've got to follow it we've got to track the book down and todd's like not my problem um <laughs> But then he figures out that if he does it, because it means so much to Jenny, and it means so much to Jenny because the book is the last clue she has. Her father has disappeared, it turns right. out, and it had something to do with the book. And so Todd figures out that if he helps her, he gets to hang out with her. And so he and Curtis and Jenny form this trio to go look for the book. And right. that's pretty much the end of the first episode. Aside from the fact that Atticus Finch gets this mysterious phone call, uh, well, he makes a mysterious phone call and says something about the book is like it's active again. Yeah, and you you know it, they leave it at that, so you know that the guidance counselor has something to do with the book. He knows about the book somehow, right? Um, and I. I made note, Todd is one of the few people who uses the book and comes away relatively unscathed. Yeah, good to note. Yes. Almost everyone else who uses the book either ends up dead or horribly mutilated. Right. And they just keep moving on, and there's been no investigation into this, and nobody has left. <laughs> right. Um, episode two is called How to Make a Homunculus. Um, and it was directed by James Gen. Um, James Gen was the one who did Mary Kills People, Killjoys Charmed, The Good Doctor, The Turner and Hooch Guy. Okay. Uh, he directed this one. And this one stars um, Hannah, for the most part. Um, 
I think the show opens with her in science class, right. and her science teacher is a complete douche. Oh my um, gosh! Again, from the kids' perspective, this is what the teachers are like. Yes, and he says all the worst wrong things that should get him arrested, kicked out of teaching, uh, and, and he's just like everything is again over the top. Stupid. Yes. He obviously is having relationship with these two cheerleaders. Um, that's what they're relying on their grades for. So, um, and he's blowing off Hannah, who is all about actually doing science to honor her parents who have de- been, who are deceased. And and he like picks on her about that. Yeah, he makes fun <laughs> of her. They would be they would be so disappointed with what you're doing, science. Yeah. And legitimately so, because what apparently she was doing science-wise was making a flying ship for guinea pigs. Yeah. Um, Because she does, she has a guinea pig, and he's like number 15. You know, that's his name. And she puts him in the device and throws him out a third-story window, and it promptly plummets to the ground. And there's a, there's a little bit of CGI there. There's this little explosion right. mushroom cloud from, from the thing blowing up. and. As she's throwing the body and the experiment away, she finds the book of pure evil in the dumpster. Right. And and this is in relation to the, the cheerleaders are making a, a baking soda volcano. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Because, of course, it's science fair time. That's the only thing anyone ever does in science class. Yeah. It's always just science fair. Um, so... Uh, Todd and Jenny and Curtis are in the science class with Hannah and they all get divided up into partners uh, to do their science fair part project. And Curtis gets Jenny much to Todd's dismay and Todd ends up with Hannah. And um, we never do find out what Jenny and Curtis are going to do for their um, yeah. science fair project. It never gets mentioned again. Yeah. Cause it's um, unimportant. Right. And it's a whole let, let it go. The project's completely unimportant to Todd because he's all about hanging out with um, Jenny and Curtis. And so Hannah's like, I've got an idea for this project. He's like, yeah, good, whatever. And he and Jenny and Curtis go off to do their own thing. Hannah, on the other hand, finds in the Book of Pure Evil uh, the ability to make a homunculus, which if you're not familiar with medieval alchemy magic lore is a small creature that uh, you could make that you would imbue with magical force and it would run around as your servant, basically. So she decides to cast this spell to make them homunculus. Todd is having a dream and in the dream he sees uh, like from the perspective of something really short he sees um, the science teacher hanging out with the cheerleaders. Um, they've just come back from some restaurant. They're still in their uniforms for yeah. some reason. Um, and he's trying to get them to make out together. And obviously they're not drunk enough. And they're both saying... Which is all things teachers should be doing with students. Yes. And they're saying, oh, he's too drunk. You know how he's like when he's like this. And so they leave. And when they leave, Todd, from the point of view of this small, lower thing, attacks the guy. Um, and he's screaming, and he says something about homunculus, and then Todd wakes up. 
it doesn't uh, take a literary major to like <laughs> see what actually happened. When you find out the next day the science teacher is dead, impaled in a very inappropriate place on top of a baking soda volcano. And then it explodes too. So then yeah. it explodes too. Yeah. Juvenile. Yeah. All right over the, the two cheerleaders. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And they seem more upset by the fact that he ruined their volcano. Right. Than anything else. Which again, there's so many stereotypes in the show, yes. except for our main characters. You know, all the cheerleaders are selfish airheads. And yes. You know, all the teachers and adults are stupid and, you know, say the wrong things and don't care about teaching. You know, just every other person, every other kid is some stereotype because there's not enough time to develop other characters. Right. Um, Hannah tries to engage with Todd some more. He's ignoring her some more. Um, He and Jenny and Curtis come to the conclusion this has something to do with the book. (laughs) Big leap there. Um. The next night, Todd goes to sleep, and the and <clears throat> he has that point of view dream. He's seeing through the homunculus's eyes. It is entering into Jenny's bedroom while she's asleep, and she wakes up just as it's about to attack her. She drives it away, and uh, so they go back to the school the next day, and. Um, they're talking about it, and Hannah's standing there with this giant bird cage, uh, with a sheet over top of it. And they finally, after all this time, notice Hannah. And um, Todd's like, "What's in there?" And she's like, "It's our science project. It's a homunculus." And she takes it off, and it's this little rubbery naked puppet thing with Todd's face. <laughs> right. It, of course, immediately gets free, grabs the Book of Pure Evil, and jumps into the air ducts. Yeah, and it's, it's a, oh, again, over the top. Curtis and Todd are running around the science room, basically destroying everything and not even coming close to hitting the homunculus. Yes, yeah. Um, so they come up with an a ingenious plan to catch it. It seems to be... Uh, look like Todd, but it's driven by Hannah's emotions, and it, like, attacked Jenny because Hannah has a thing for Todd, of which they just flat out, you know, call out right there in episode two. So, um, Todd's big plan is they tie Jenny to a chair, and she points out rightly, why did I have to be tied up? <laughs> yeah, and then, and then he's basically ignoring her. Yeah. And he's out with Hannah, and he's talking with Hannah, describing, like, the perfect date between him and Jenny. And this is what I mean by, like, fourth graders on the playground. He has really no concept of what, like, sex is, because he's like, oh, and we get all naked, and we, like, squish uh, our bodies (laughs) together. Like, he has no idea what he's talking about. But it works. Uh, the homunculus shows up and it goes diving at Jenny. And when it does, Curtis's prosthetic arm pops up from underneath the table and grabs it by its neck and squeezes it till its head pops. Yeah. Gotta have a lot of exploding pus and gore yes. throughout the whole series. Yes. And it's not even good pus and gore. It's it's <laughs> like, you know, raspberry jam. Yeah, um, well. The book flies away. Uh end of episode two aside from there's a little acrimony between jenny and hannah 
because Hannah's jealous of Jenny. I mean, and so at some point in time, I think she calls uh, Jenny a skank. Yeah. In there. Yeah. Um, the next uh, episode is Rock and Roll Zombies Know Best. <laughs> um, and this one was directed by their rock star, Dave Winning. Um, <laughs> I looked and um, the zombies, the actors who played the zombies, nobody famous. Nobody you knew, not even from a musical you know, kind of background or anything like that. Um, but uh, the the four of them have now formed this group to hunt down the book. Um, so and, you've got a little bit of Buffy, a little bit of Scooby Doo, yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Todd is trying to figure out how to hook up with Jenny. It's not working really well, so he turns to Jimmy the janitor, and course, you know, Jimmy tells him the best thing you can do is make her jealous. So sleep with one of her friends. Sleep with all of her friends. Yes. Um, <laughs> the downside to that is Jenny doesn't have a lot of friends. Um, and so she does have this one friend who is like your stereotypical goth. Um, and we see her uh, in the opening shots of the show with some boy making out in her place. And she like lures him to the basement and then locks him in the basement. And you hear him screaming. And she says something like she's sorry as blood pours out from underneath the door not which, just a little blood it, it pours it's like a tidal wave of blood yeah which if you think about it the door's at the top of the stairs how does that even work but you know whatever <laughs> just there's let a it few go. plot holes <laughs> yeah yeah no one's watching this for and if uh, you are it's a sad day yeah <laughs> just enjoy it so um, they're making lists of, you know, what we know about the book, what we don't know about the book. And they're making a list of um, students, boys who have gone missing lately. Um, and the it's name... a Scooby gang doing this. No, no authorities, no teachers. Oh, we're the only ones that have noticed in the past week, like 20 different boys have disappeared. Yeah. Oh, but um, they left. <laughs> the names of all the boys on the list are all famous directors. Um, one of them's named Craven. One of them's named Carpenter. One of them's named Romero. One of them's named Bava. So that's a cute little thing they added in there. Yeah. I didn't notice that. That's great. Um, so Todd decides he's going to, you know, hook up with this goth chick to make Jenny jealous. And like, he's trying to be Rico Suave and he's like, Hey, and she's like my place tonight, seven o'clock. And he's like, Oh, all right, great. Um, and um, Jenny does actually seem to be slightly affected by that. You know, the relationship yeah. between the two of them, you know, they've been shipped since episode one, but, it, you know, it, it's a low simmer for sure, um, at least for one of the two. Todd shows up at the girl's house um, to find Curtis there eating corn chips. Curtis Best night ever. Corn chips, yes. Um, <laughs> And Todd's confused by the whole thing, and the girl comes out and says something sexy, and Curtis is like, we're going to have an orgy. It's going to be great. And Todd's not so sure about that, because there's two guys and one girl, and how's that going to work? And so he's about to leave, and Curtis talks him into staying. So then the girl traps them in the basement and locks the door, and 
two zombies with horrible British accents come shambling out. Um, and instead of just like screaming, Todd just like defensively grabs a shovel and hits the one guy in the head with one and knocks the zombie down. And then the female zombie comes up and he does the same thing to her. And it, it literally like Scooby-Doo. I mean, it is, he is not in control of his body. He's just screaming and swinging a shovel around. And, and it's not just a scream. It's the highest pitch scream of the littlest girl you could think of. Yes. Uh, they open a Claire story window and he and Curtis climb out and start running. Um, the whole time they've been doing this, Atticus Finch, it turns out, has been communicating with a group of Satanists in town who want him to get the book. And so he has to be paying attention to what Todd and his friends are doing. So he's outside the house of binoculars seeing what Todd and Curtis are doing. And they come running out and run into him and knock him over and they start to kick him on the ground. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, that's our guidance counselor. And they like leave. And then Todd comes back one more time to give him an extra kick and then runs off. Um, it turns out they, uh, the girl found the book of pure evil after catching some grief from her parents and wished that her favorite musicians um, could be her parents instead. The downside is her favorite musicians were goth musicians who tried to stay awake for 36 hours or something like that, and they died from lack of sleep. Um, so they come back as zombies and eat her parents. And they're the Bram Stoker experience. Yes, the Bram Stoker experience, right. Um, so they were going to eat her too, but she promises to bring them people uh, to eat. And, <laughs> and, and so, you know, the, she, she, this again... Okay, so she they let her go to school every single day, and she just comes home and brings more people. You yeah. never thought of just leaving? <laughs> just Yeah, sorry, I can't stay. That wouldn't help the plot, so we couldn't do that. Because Curtis and Todd got away, uh, they punish her by cutting off her finger and eating it. Uh, so she explains this to everybody. And um, the zombies find the book of pure evil, and they like the female zombie is like figured out a way to, you know, use a spell to come back and they could get everything they wanted and like go on with their band. Um, the male zombie has figured out that, Oh, Hey, you know what? It's parent teacher night at the high school. Let's just go and eat everybody. Cause they're always hungry. So they show up at the high school. Um, there's this awesome scene where the parents are all in a room uh, the gym teacher's there hating on the parents and Atticus is getting ready to address the parents. And he's like going over his speech. Your kids are horrible. They're terrible. Um, and the group of four plus the goth girl are all running around the halls getting ready uh, to fight these zombies. The zombies show up and eat the goth girl. Victim number one who has used the book and something really bad has happened. Right. Um, so they eat her. The gang attacks the zombies. It looks like the zombies are going to take them out because they rush them from both sides and the zombies easily handle them. And then the female zombie talks about wanting to get back into music and the male zombie's like, I don't want to have to go back to work. And they start arguing. And Jenny grabs a fire axe and 
beheads them both. Oink. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's not, you don't get a lot of complicated plots in the demise of whatever baddie of the week you got. They're right. pretty straightforward uh, demises. Um, the, the book flies away down a hall, oh, of course. Yeah. End of episode. Um, the next episode is the first of the ones that's going to offend people. Um, it's called Gay Day, and it opens up with apparently Crowley High's only gay student being bullied by the football team. Um, and they decide they're going to lock him in a closet. They've filled his, his uh, locker full of fruit, and he opens it up and all the fruit falls out. And they're like, what kind of fruit are you, fruit? And they're like making the worst analogies possible. And not like, I don't mean worst like, oh my gosh, that's so rude. Like worst, like they make no sense. Like, <laughs> Right. What are, what are you? Are you a pomegranate? <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't right. understand. So when the bullies can't actually make a coherent thought, they pick him up and lock him in a closet. And this wow. is the first of several episodes, again, where they take a, 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 a issue in high school, uh, a high school level issue, and they put it over the top and make everybody stereotypes. And there's a couple episodes that kind of follow that. They, they take this yeah. one little high school issue. Uh, and, but it's also a, a little bit like comedy, where they're pointing out problems in society by blowing it up over the top and setting it in a high school. Because there's a couple of episodes where it's like, yeah, this is a problem we've had in our society in today's world. And this is, you know, the high school way of thinking and dealing about it, essentially. Yes. If if you are a young person and deciding to watch this, bear in mind, this is satire. So when you're watching yes. it, they're not making fun of the homosexual student. They're making fun of the ridiculous situation that these Absolutely. people have to go through every day. You know, yeah. this is this is a daily occurrence to them. And how stupid is that? And and they do it in the same similar way for a couple episodes. Uh, you know, he 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 gets his wish through the book of pure evil, and instead of him being bigger, stronger, or being straight or something like that, it changes it, <laughs> and it yes. affects everybody the opposite way, essentially. Yes. He finds the book of pure evil and wants everyone to feel what it's like to be him. And so it makes the entire male population of Crowley High gay and it makes him straight. Right. Um, and there's some problems throughout the episode that arise from this, like Todd and Curtis are now gay and Todd's really bummed out about that. And at first he denies that he's gay. Um, and then Jenny like just lifts up her top and shows him her breasts and it, just doesn't do anything for him and he realizes that now he's gay and how much does that suck curtis is great in this he he's just sitting there going your eyes sparkle and yes. he's like so when you're funny. thinking like green flashes when you're thinking yeah and it because curtis is basically in love with todd anyways oh well, yeah yeah um even though we find out what happened to curtis later in the series he's yes still... <laughs> yeah that's some dedication right there you and I would not have this relationship. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the other problem is that all the guys are are straight. And so now none of the cheerleaders who apparently are just ridiculously uh, horny 
whores <laughs> are like completely in like a bloodlust over the fact that none of the boys want them anymore. Yeah. Oh my God. The football team didn't want their morning blowjobs. Yes. Wait a minute. What? I mean, again, it's so high school. And that is a legitimate quote from the show. That's yes. not Steve just improving. <laughs> actually is. Um, so uh, they go on a hunt for um, the poor gay student because they're convinced it was him who who had res- who was responsible for this. Um, meanwhile, it's, in- it's interesting too because everything in their lives gets viewed as oh, it's got to be the book, and it actually is. But I mean, it's like that, that's immediate. You know, oh, this must be the book. Yeah. Um. And so uh, the Scooby gang tracked down uh, the gay student and they're trying to protect him because all of the girls want to kill him because he made all of the guys gay and all the guys want to kill him because he's straight. So it, it really kind of hammers home the point. It doesn't matter what your orientation is. It's that you're different. Right. It makes no difference at all. It's just that you're different. So um, they take him to uh, Jimmy's office and lock the door, and they're hiding out down there. Um, And <laughs> Jimmy's down there looking at some gay porn mag, and uh, he's like, oh, well, you know, that's why I'm looking at this. And the girls point out that it only seems to have affected the students. <laughs> and Jimmy's like, oh, you never saw this. Yeah. Again, perfect Jason Muse. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, in the end, the uh, the boy decides he's just going to go out and confront this. And so he goes up while the crowd's beating on the door and he like comes out the door and he makes this very impassioned speech about, you know, he didn't mean to screw with everybody. He's just, he's been through this all the time. And why can't we just, you know, you've experienced what he's experienced and let's all get along. And the crowd's having none of it. And they rip him limb from limb. They draw and quarter him. Yes. Um, and then the book of pure evil flies away and everyone's back to what they were before. Let's move on to episode five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, well, okay, I guess we don't have to worry about that anymore. And they just move on. Yep. Um, episode five is called Monster Fat. Um, uh, and... oh, wait, real quick on that gay episode, too, with the whole cult thing. Uh, they say you can identify the one by the mark on his penis. And so the guidance counselor is trying to get Todd to show him his penis. And again, it, it points out, you know, this guy is like so wrong in everything. And it's kind of yeah. how how the students view the teachers. Yeah. It's time for your mandatory strip search. You can't do that. I certainly can. I don't think you can. All right. Good job. This was the uh, uh, inappropriate questions test and you passed. Right. Atticus is just hilarious because he's so he can't fit in anywhere. Yeah. And this is one of those episodes where, you know, even if you took all the swear words out, how is the rest of this content appropriate for a younger audience? Yeah, it's not so, but no. Well, uh, Canadians the, have different viewpoints than Americans true. on some it's of true. this. So, um, the next episode's called Monster Fat. Um, and if you haven't guessed, we're making fun of fat people in this one. Um, it opens with a shot of Jim. Everyone is doing a vault, 
over over a big wooden thing. There's this, of course, Todd and Curtis are just sitting, leaning back against the wall, um, talking about Jenny. And Jenny and Hannah are standing in line, and they're talking about the book. That's pretty much how the whole dynamic goes. Curtis and Todd talk about the girls, and the girls talk about actually getting something done. Right. And there's this very large girl standing behind them, and she keeps trying to edge her way further and further back in the line. And we've pointed out how horrible the uh, gym teacher is. So she sees the girl trying to get further and further back, just calls her out, and wants her to do this vault. So she runs up and gets to the springboard, jumps on the springboard, which of course just snaps, and then she slams into the vault and knocks the vault over. Um, and Which, as we've said with some of the other stuff, it kind of points out how stupid gym class really can be. I mean, what are you really getting out of gym class to spring off that board off the, the horse? And why do you have to do that? And, you know, gym class, if you really look back on it, there's almost no point to it. There were so many things wrong with our gym class that I'm assuming was kind of universal across the country. My son has a written test in gym class today over the rules and positions in baseball. Wow. Okay. So, um, I, I see, I remember be playing, that's how you broke your leg playing baseball in gym. Yeah. Uh, and I remember if you couldn't hit the ball or you couldn't field the ball, because they were doing that in gym, you would think that the goal would be to work with those kids to learn how to hit the ball. No, our gym class was, well, you can't hit, you can't catch, run laps. And I always asked, how the heck is that helping you get better? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a flaw in the system, I suppose. Um, uh, it pointed out by this ridiculous show. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so the girl goes into the shower. Oh, she finds the Book of Pure Evil, of course. Of course. Cast the spell. The, the book kind of hunts these people down. It, it, it yes. finds them and, and calls to them because it sparks and opens up to just the right spell. Yes. And to this, at this point, at five episodes in, the Scooby gang hasn't figured this out yet. Right. They know when something's going on based on what's going on, where they can find the book because they know who has it. But they right. can't predict it yet. But they get there. Yeah. Um. So this girl casts a spell. She takes a shower and all of her fat washes off of her, basically. Um. Which sounds great, you know, miracle thing. Except the fat like becomes this entity of its own, this monster that lurks in the sewers, and whoever it touches becomes fat. Right. And you know, really thinking about that. What good is trying to take over this high school for the book? <laughs> I mean, it keeps doing all these things that are only affecting these high school students. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, what good is that, really? Well, and the other, the other thing, you know, if you're looking at this, the only people who get fat in this show are the girls in the school. It right. only affects the girls. And, and, and they point out the cheerleaders, mostly. Yeah, I, I, it's like... So boys don't have body issues? Is is that what... But again, we're reading way too much into this. It's just a stupid show. Um, but uh, Jenny ends up becoming fat. And Todd acts very oddly around her now that she's fat. And um, she's convinced it's because she's fat. And Todd uh, Curtis informs her it's not that. It's that uh, 
he and Todd at one point in time found a videotape of Curtis's parents having sex and they're very large people and it traumatized Todd. And um, Curtis in the flashback is sitting there eating popcorn watching it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Todd has like had a dream about Jenny visiting him at night um, and she's all dressed and sexy. And then like, now that she's fat, he has a dream and she shows up and she's fat. And she like sits on him and she's going to eat his face off. Um, so he apparently has some sort of bizarre phobia. He tries to get around it. He even says that he'll kiss her um, and he can't bring himself to do it. This whole time, um, Hannah has been working on a formula to undo the fatness. Um, and of course, the first time she tries it on a giant fat rat that they have, the rat just explodes, so it's not ready yet. Um, but they end up in the cafeteria. All of the girls are now fat. Curtis has a side hustle selling moo-moos to everybody in the school hallway. <laughs> um, and all of the girls are hating on this girl who's thin. Um, and all the guys are loving on this girl who's thin. They're in the cafeteria. The giant fat monster shows up. And like everyone's taking cover. And the girl, again, decides to sacrifice herself. She attacks the fat monster um, and knocks it into a, f a fryer. Which, <laughs> that's a big-ass fryer. You know what I mean? <laughs> it fits this giant monster of fat. And a student, yeah. like her shoes right. sticking out of it at the end. Um, and you're like, yay, okay, end of the episode. But no, the monster fat monster comes out of the fat. Um, <laughs> and it's like terrorizing the cafeteria. And Hannah comes up and she has made this pill that if you give it to the fat monster, it will destroy the fat. Which and again, so talks to about... Uh, society oh just take this pill and get rid That's of your right. fat you know fat i mean burns while you sleep yeah um so todd can't find a mouth on it so they decide it's got to go it does have an ass so it's got to <laughs> go up its ass uh so he borrows curtis's arm and puts the pill in curtis's arm's hand and stuffs it up the monster's ass and the monster of course dies Funny jokes about Curtis's arm being disgusting and stinky. Book flies away. End of episode five. And I got, I got to point out that Todd and Curtis, which they're supposed to be these big stoners. I, I think that wasn't brought out quite as much throughout the, the show uh, as maybe it could have been. Uh, but that's, you know, my, my thing. Um, but their reactions all the time when this stuff shows up is definitely that type of whoa dude yeah you know they're they're always just kind of like surprised and whoa the book's doing something weird and evil you know yeah. so it, it is humorous in that regard very stereotypical that anybody who smokes marijuana is like that all the time you know even when they're yeah. not high okay so we've been on an hour we've done about half why don't we hit the high points so we don't bore everybody and they, if they really really want to see the last uh episodes Hit some of the because we get a little bit of the same type of thing, but then we get some story arc for the whole. We do overarching of. story arc. Um, the next episode was Invasion of the Stupid Snatchers, where they're making fun of stupid people. Yeah, um, 
and they and this is where everybody does smoke weed. That's what gets them stupid. Is is this smoke from the book of pure evil? Yes, and and again the twist where the the dumbest kid in school wishes that he was the smartest kid in school. So instead of making him smarter, it makes everyone else stupid. And yeah. this one actually affects the staff because it happens to Atticus, who actually right. gets his hands on the book but doesn't know what to do with it because he's so <laughs> stoned. <laughs> um, terrible twin turf tussle uh, starred two twins, um, and there's an incestuous relationship between them both. Um, the twins, uh, Carissa and Katie Strain, uh, were in a movie called Twin Sanity which makes sense, but they were also in the remake of Carrie. Oh, cool. Wow. Um, which I found interesting. Um, and that episode cracked me up because Curtis becomes a love doctor and he, he gives Hannah advice on how to win uh, Todd over. And she is so over the top and it so doesn't fit her personality at all. It's hilarious. Yes. And while that's happening, Jenny is, um, seduced by one of the twins one of, one of the incestuous lesbian twins um and so she's like <laughs> experimenting and it's funny because atticus gives her a lesbian gift basket yes i mean how wrong can you be yes and right about this point um the satanists have decided that curtis needs to be in with the gang so he has now insinuated himself into their ranks so now it's not a gang of four it's a gang of five, four students and one double agent adult. And he's so happy because he's part of the, a gang. He's part of something, yes. <laughs> um, the next episode is called Cockfight, um, and it deals with the bully who you see throughout the series, played by Kyle Nobles, who is in The Curse of Chucky. Oh, um, cool. And in it... Uh, they're basically making fun of somebody and Todd does this whole like almost like risky business slide across the hallway. Cause the bullies are making fun of somebody and he grabs his pants and pants him and has Curtis take a picture. And apparently the bully has a very small penis, which and, is what he was teasing all these other people about. Essentially. Yes. And so they yeah. text this out to everybody in the school. Now this shows from like 2000, 10 or something like that so they're dealing with flip phones not like yeah. fancy stuff um the guy uses the book of pure evil and ends up with a giant monster penis um that turns people to stone so curtis it's has basically been, medusa yes curtis has been turned to stone clutching the book of pure evil um and so in an effort for todd to be able to battle this thing they've put glasses on him so it's only a thermal image and given him a paper cutter lever to just <laughs> cut it off with. Um, you actually see Atticus's true side here because he, while they're fighting the evil penis, he has taken the stone body of Curtis and like tried to chisel his arm off. He's trying to get his arms off of the book so he can take the book too. He, he, yes. he almost throws Curtis over a ledge just to shatter him to get the book. Yeah. Um, and it's really evident that Atticus really is not the best cultist. He's really just trying to win his daddy's approval. I mean, yes. you know, that's really what it is. We do find out that the uh, leader of the uh, Satanists is his father, who treats him horribly. Right. Um, you know, in the end, they end up cutting off uh, the bully's penis, but he survives. 
So yes. um, he's got that it's going for him. Compared to some. Uh, the next episode is The Big Bad Baby. You have a group of uh, high school girls who are trying, who are actively pregnant. They've like formed a club. They're excited about being pregnant. One of them was faking it, and they find out. And so she uses the book, has a baby, which turns out to be like seven foot tall, um, and it basically crushes people to death. Uh, it imprints itself on Todd, um, and so Todd actually acts fatherly to it. Um, but in the end, uh, the baby crushes mom to death, and I don't know what happens to the baby. Oh, the Satanists take it. Yeah. 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 And the, in one of the other episodes, also, the uh, astronomy slash astrology teacher even says, uh, how many of you are Capricorns? Well, you know, statistics say by the end of the year, half of you are going to be pregnant. Yes, that was this episode. Um, the 10th episode was the ghost of Chet Sukowsk. Suka- yeah. Um, Sukowski. Yes. And the guy who's the basketball player in this, in this, uh, this basketball player uses the book because he sucks and his dad's the coach and his dad just only cares about basketball. He belittles his kid all the time. He uses Which the book again, to become... points out a lot of <laughs> coaches. Yes. He uses the book to become a better basketball player, but instead of just making him better, it, he ends up possessed by the ghost of a fifties basketball player who was an all-star. Um, the actor is named uh, Vess Saranga, uh, and he was in The Handmaid's Tale and Orphan oh. Black. So okay. he's gone on to bigger and better things as well. Um, this, this episode... Uh, was it this episode where she does the... No, I think that's Checkmate. Because Jenny in this episode becomes possessed by the ghost of, uh, this, of Chet's girlfriend. And Chet is going to have this chicky race with Todd, and he's going to drive off the edge of a cliff and die because that's what happened to the actual Chet Sikowski. So um, they all get together in the teacher's, in Atticus's van. Jimmy hooks up some nitrous thing to it so it can actually keep up with his muscle car. Um, it really is Scooby Doo because yeah. they're in the van <laughs> chasing after this ghost. <laughs> they manage to rescue Jenny, and the guy drives off a cliff and dies. The book gets away. End of episode. You know what would have been great for a season two? Is have like a Mulder and Scully type of FBI agent snooping around. Uh, that would have been great. Of course, it could happen. I haven't seen episode, or season two. so Yeah, any, any um, responsible parents, responsible adults would be nice. Uh, <laughs> Episode 11 is called The Phantom of Crawley High. I enjoyed this one. It's a musical. Um, and we learn a lot about Atticus's backstory. He's always hinted to this whole thing about a wolf and his yeah. first sexual experience. Um, so in the past. Yeah, in the past. It's, leave it in the past, Atticus. Um, so for some reason, the um, guidance counselor has been tasked with doing a school musical. Um <laughs> And Which again, that how many times has that happened in high school? I mean, look at our uh, Earth science teacher became the physics teacher. You know, I mean, oh well, we need it. You do it. Yeah. Um, the act, the like drama club girl in this school can't sing. 
Um, so she uses the book. Uh, so she kids saying she goes, she has an amazing voice, but her tongue just drops out. <laughs> just plop. Yes. So she, puts, which I'm like, wait a second. The book is like harming the person that it took control of. And it does that, all, but it like gave her this great voice, but then pops her tongue out. So she can't sing. Yes. I was like, okay, move on. We'll just let it go. She wears a mask and becomes this phantom of the opera. Right. Uh, because character. No tongue, you should wear a mask. Yes. And she's uh, using poison darts to try and take Jenny out, who is the lead now. And Todd is the uh, lead male figure. Todd's excited because he gets to kiss Jenny in this one part. And like, she's put the whole thing off. They couldn't find a musical they like. So Atticus writes a musical about the child of Satanists um, who decides to rebel against his parents with a happy ending. Um, and and so that's what the musical is. The side story is um, Curtis falls in love with the Phantom of Crawley High, because um, they're both freaks. Because they're both freaks. Because she's missing a tongue, he's missing an arm. <laughs> uh, they are also at one point in time snooping around Atticus's office. I think this is the episode. Um, he comes in and. Curtis and Hannah are the ones who are doing it. They hide in his closet and he walks over to the closet and Curtis is like, kiss me. And so he kisses her as he, as Atticus opens the closet door and sees them in there kissing. And he's like, okay, carry on. And then closes yeah. the closet door and leaves. Um, from then on, Hannah now has a thing for Curtis. Right. Uh, but my, my other, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Right. Uh, my favorite line. Uh, is uh, she keeps the phantom keeps killing all the leads off all the other girls and they die shaking it's kind of funny um but then there's my favorite line is uh oh did you freeze uh oh is that me or you guess we'll have to edit this You there? Was that me yeah. or you? I have no idea. Okay. So anyway, my, my favorite line is one of the girls gets killed. She's on the stage and uh, Atticus says something like, well, despite the large mortality rate of this show, it's coming along great. Yeah, he's thrilled by it. In the end, uh, the Phantom goes to blow a dart that's going to kill Jenny. And um, Curtis throws his hand out there and stops the dart. And then he's like, oh, I was going to use my fake hand. And then he collapses. Um, so Hannah actually goes and there's this really hilarious thing where she's trying to ask what kind of poison the girl used and the girl doesn't have a tongue. So she's running through all these lists of poisons. She finds out what it is. She pulls out a mortar and pestle. She makes the antidote for it right there and saves Curtis's life. Yeah. Just happens um, to have all that. Yes. Um, the next episode is 12. It is called checkmates. And in it, there is a, uh, chess tournament between Hannah and this guy played by Max Toplin, who is in suits and also from Carrie. Um, and he beats her. And so she's convinced this guy has the book of pure evil. Yeah. It's hilarious. She wins, turns right around. He has the book. You know, just... Yeah. 
Um, he also has the ability to um, hypnotize people. And so he hypnotizes Curtis and um, Hannah into trying to capture Todd because he can see that Todd is going to be this evil entity that takes over the world. Um, Jenny, in the meantime, finds a uh, time capsule and in it is a video which explains that the entire town was set up by Satanists who were tired of being persecuted by other people. It's like a, a sales pitch for yeah. the town. <laughs> um, and Atticus's dad is like the head of the Satanists and Atticus is a baby in the video. And Atticus's dad is played and, in the he, video by he's Atticus. So great. That baby doesn't look a thing like me. <laughs> yeah. Um, Todd is actually given visions of what he's going to be. And, you know, there's like earthquakes, atomic bombs going off, and there's giant Todd laughing maniacally over top of the entire school and flames everywhere. It's all done in red. Um, in the end, uh, they try and capture Todd and they can't. So they capture Jenny instead. And it's a trap to lure Todd. Todd shows up. And um, he's finally like, he has to give up to save Jenny. So he does. And the, the geek tries to use his, his uh, telepathy powers on Todd. And it just doesn't work because Todd is impervious to it. Cause he's a stoner that can't keep a thought long enough. <laughs> yes. And in the end of the uh, guy's head explodes, the kids now um, don't trust Atticus Finch anymore <clears throat> and the book gets away. The last episode in the season is called a farewell to Curtis's arm. Um, and this one was actually directed by uh, Craig David Wallace. Um, and in it, um, Atticus ends up with the book. Um, just, you know, We'll, we'll deal with Atticus right off the bat. Atticus ends up with the book. He delivers it to the old folks' home. Uh-oh. Um, and then he he's facing his father in his wheelchair, which you look at the handles of his wheelchair, and they're swords. I mean, it's obvious. It's a very heavy metal kind of wheelchair. Um, Atticus pulls out two daggers and beheads his father and takes his place as the head of the Satanist now, and he's got the Book of Fury Evil. That is Atticus's arc in this episode. Um, the other arc, you have uh, Jenny who goes to the nursing home to f seek out the Satanists. While she's there, she finds her father there in a wheelchair with an IV hooked up to him in a coma state. She's trying to get him out. Some nice old lady in the hallway is talking to her. And she's like, no, I've got to get out of here. And then it turns out every member of the old folks home are Satanists and they capture Jenny and that's her arc. Yeah. Then you have Todd and Curtis. Todd goes to Jimmy and he's like, I've seen that I'm going to be this horrible thing. And Jimmy's like, dude, don't let fate dictate to you. Be your own man. And so... Todd's like, that's stupid. And so he goes to the bros and the bros are like, it's time for us to take a trip to shop class. 
So they go to shop class um, where Todd makes, you know, first time ever this amazing sword. And at yeah. some point in time, he's like, wow, really handy. There was this whole forge in this place. <laughs> um, then you have Curtis who uses the book because he loses his arm. He loses his fake arm and he gets a demon arm. Um, and the demon arm is slowly taking Curtis over. Um, so Curtis ends up confronting Todd and it turns out Curtis lost his arm due to an accident in shop class with Todd, where Todd accidentally cut off Curtis's arm. Right. Um, and nobody remembered that. That was just, everybody had forgotten about that. Um, in the end, Todd cuts off Curtis's demon arm and he's about to skewer him through. And the three bros are like, yeah, do it. And then Todd's like, I'm not going to do it. And they like look up and Jimmy's hanging out from a window above him, flipping him off because the Oracle wins this round, <laughs> not the Furies. Right. And that's where the season kind of ends with Jenny and Jenny's captured. Todd has come to like this realization, this elevation where he is accepted his position, his role. And he's upset about this. And uh-oh, he's talking to Curtis about it. And Curtis is like, but dude, this has been the best school year ever. Yeah. <laughs> Curtis has had a great time this year, despite all the horrible things that have happened. Um, Hannah is still madly in love with Curtis. So when I finished watching this, after getting it out of you know the library, I was like, Oh, now I got to see season two. So I put it on hold. It came in. I watched season two. I'm, again, season two ends with the same kind of cliffhanger because they expected a season three. Never got it. So I'm looking forward to see the animated version. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to definitely get season two and watch it. I would say, though, uh, I, I would not necessarily for a lot of people recommend this as a binge show um, just because there's a lot of similarities between them and it could get to be a bit of a drag. Uh, yeah. The, the stupidity of the show that is so enjoyable um, is enjoyable in small doses. Yeah. So if you try and sit down and watch the entire 13 episodes through all the way through, you're like, yeah, okay. Okay. Right. By the time you get to episode 10, you're just like, yeah, you know, I can't, can't really deal with it. So you got to take some breaks. You got to pace yourself with this. Yeah. yeah this one definitely recommend that. Um, yeah. So, and there we go. There's Todd and the book of pure evil season one for the end of our season one. That's right. For the end of our season one. And, um, I don't really know that we need to define how the theme of friends works with this, uh, this, uh, series, this title, because the whole thing is about friendship. So very true. It's, it's Buffy and meets the Scooby gang. Yeah, uh, written by twelve-year-olds. Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, of of all of the stuff that we've reviewed, um, there's a few titles that I'd be like, yeah, you know what? This movie isn't for everybody. You know, Martyrs is not for everybody. No. Uh, the Loved Ones is not for everybody. This show isn't gonna trouble anybody. So you can start watching it and you can be like, no, this is too stupid for me and turn it off and walk away. And it's not a big deal. Right. So everybody could give this a try. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it does have a few things uh, at the episodes, but again, it's satire humor. 
take it yeah. as that. You know, they're not trying to make a political statement except as far as you would make it through satire humor. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great series. Uh, this has been a really fun season. Thanks for talking me into it. Yeah. Hey, and um, we, we just a little cliffhanger of our own. Uh, we were watching some of the American remakes of some of this season's uh, movies, and we're going to do a bonus episode just covering those briefly, how they're different than the ones we watch for the season. And we've already gathered a list of movies to watch for season two. So we want to keep going. Uh, yeah. 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 Hope, hope some people enjoy this. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I was just having this conversation with somebody recently. If you don't enjoy it, I'm having a good time, so we'll yeah. just keep doing them anyway. So. Yeah, we get to watch movies and talk about them. So yeah. what better thing can you be doing, right? Absolutely. And, and better, yeah, it, it's now fall, so we're coming to Halloween, and we love watching movies. We The last couple of years, we've had a, a, a marathon where we get together and watch several movies throughout a, a evening. get all the kids together we'll have an whole evening watching horror movies and eating junk food so yes lots sounds of junk like food. it could be an episode of todd in the book of pure evil yes yes <laughs> nobody opened any skin bound tomes before yeah we've said that since evil dead and it appears not to have like gotten through yeah. to some people so if okay people if you find a skin wrapped book don't read it out loud right it's just it's just a bad idea it, it is because because you get like these, you know, funny uh, movies and TV shows that. <laughs> yeah. Bad things happen to you. Yeah. Everyone else is vaguely amused. So. Yeah. Extremely amused, in fact. So. All right, man. Uh, awesome. It's been a good one. So everybody look for the bonus episode in season two. Awesome. We'll see you guys later. Creature slips from perception. Pay attention. It will rise again.